And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of demons, he cast out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. We serve a God who forgives. And that's an amazing thing. That even though we are sinful, even though we have violated his will, we have missed the mark, God forgives sin. Micah 7 teaches that it's like he takes our sin and casts them into the depths of the sea. The psalmist wrote that as far as the east is from the west, so God has removed our sins that far from us. And when you read in the New Testament, you read about words like forgiveness, remission, Acts 2 verse 38, like someone's cancer going into remission. It's no evidence that it was ever there. And so God does when he forgives us of sin. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. But there is a sin the Bible speaks about that Jesus calls unforgivable. And I want to just familiarize you with this before we get into the lesson itself. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, just a couple passages to keep in your mind to think about what the Lord said specifically. Matthew 12, beginning in verse 31. Matthew 12, beginning in verse 31. It's the parallel account to what was just read by Justin in Mark 3 a moment ago. But listen to Jesus and what he says, Matthew 12, verse 31. He says, therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Jesus is saying explicitly there is something that people can do that will not be forgiven. There's a sin that is unpardonable. In Luke chapter 12, I want you to look at verse 10. Luke chapter 12 and verse 10. In Luke chapter 12, verse 10, Jesus says, anyone who speaks a word against the son of man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. I want you to note that in Luke 12, it's a separate occasion from what you read in Matthew 12 and Mark 3. 
In Matthew 12 and Mark 3, the Pharisees accuse Jesus of having a demon, and Jesus launches into a, a discourse about why he is not guilty of possessing a demon or casting out demons by the power of Satan, and then he brings up this unpardonable sin in both of those instances. But here, if you look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, he's talking about the Pharisees. Beware the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. We're in a separate occasion in Luke 12 and verse 1. So in Luke 12 verse 10, when Jesus talks about this unpardonable sin, this is a different occasion than the one you read in Mark 3 and in Matthew 12. Turn, if you would, in your Bible back to Mark chapter 3, and you can just leave your Bible open to that passage during this lesson. We're going to refer to it a couple of times. Mark chapter 3. Again, Justin just read... The people saw Jesus doing miracles. They saw him casting out demons and his enemies said, he must be doing this by the power of Beelzebub. By the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. And so it's based on that accusation that Jesus is using satanic power to cast out demons that Jesus ends up saying what he says in Mark chapter three, verses 28 through 30. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, Mark 3, 28, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation, because they said he has an unclean spirit. The question is, what is the unpardonable sin? What does it mean to blaspheme, to speak against the Holy Spirit in such a way that you can never have forgiveness if you do this? Now that I've got your attention, when I was in preaching school years ago, I remember one of my instructors saying this, that this is one of those sermons that everybody's interested in. And there are four main reasons why people are interested. They're interested in the first place because some people are afraid they've committed the unpardonable sin. What if I've done this? What if I've done something and I could never have forgiveness? A second reason why people might be interested in this particular lesson is because people are just curious. They want to hear more about it. What does this mean? Explain this a little bit more in detail. A third reason why people were interested in this particular kind of lesson is because a lot of people, I've met some over the years, have a pet theory. And there are some really interesting theories out there about what this is. What does it mean to blaspheme, to speak against the Holy Spirit in such a way that you could never have forgiveness? What does it mean to commit the unpardonable sin? We'll address some of those pet theories in just a moment. And then the fourth, kind of with tongue in cheek, some people want to be able to commit every other sin except for the unpardonable one. Don't want to be guilty of that one, but all the others. Not a godly attitude, by the way. As we think about what Jesus says, and again, all three passages that we've looked at already, Matthew 12, 31 and 32, Mark chapter 3, and then Luke chapter 12, verse 10, all three of those are quotations from Jesus himself. They are all in red letters in the Bible that I have, meaning that they are the Lord's words out of his mouth. What is it that Jesus means by this? When you think about sin, there are some categories, types, if you want to think about it this way, broadly speaking, biblically. There is, biblically speaking, based on what we can read in Scripture, there is sin that is forgiven. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgressions are covered. Sin that has been wiped out, sin that has been forgiven, sin that has been cast in the depths of the sea. 
A second category of sin is sin that is forgivable. There are people who are living in sin. Maybe some people that I'm speaking to tonight living in a sinful way, but your sin is forgivable. Repent and be baptized, God says, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Acts 2 verse 38. If we are, confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sin. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. So those are two categories and we usually only think about those two. But here we've got these passages where Jesus talks about a sin that is unforgivable. Someone who never has forgiveness if they do what Jesus is speaking about. With all that in mind, let's talk first of all tonight about what the unpardonable sin is not. Some of these pet theories that you might have heard, maybe you even have, I just want you to think with me for a few moments this evening as we study our Bibles together about what Jesus does not mean. And if you're looking at Mark chapter three, I want you to pay attention to what's going on in Mark three. Again, the accusation in verses 22 and 23 is that Jesus has been casting out demons by the power of Satan, Beelzebub. Jesus says, no, I'm not verses 23 through 27. And he gives some logical reasons why. And then he brings up this unpardonable sin in verses 28 and 29. And then Mark encapsulates this in Mark chapter three, verse 30 by saying, because they said he has an unclean spirit. That's why Jesus had said all this. Keep that in your mind as we examine some of these ideas about what people might think the unpardonable sin is. Some people have thought over the years that the unpardonable sin is murder. The idea that if you take a life, the idea that if you especially intentionally, maliciously take someone's life, that that sin is unforgivable. In the first place, nowhere in the passage that we just, in any of the passages that we just read, Matthew 12, Mark 3, Luke 12, is murder even under consideration But add to that the fact that some of the men of faith that we revere and that God holds in high esteem were actually murderers. Moses, you remember when he killed the Egyptian? Stephen talked about that in his sermon in Acts chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. David, a man after God's own heart, committed murder and yet found the Lord's forgiveness. Saul of Tarsus was consenting to the murder of Stephen. It says in Acts chapter eight, verses one through four, and he even calls himself a murderer. And so the unpardonable sin, while murder is heinous and awful and has dire consequences for people's lives, it's not the unpardonable sin. Another idea people have had is that the unpardonable sin is adultery. When Christians teach and practice what the Bible teaches about marriage, divorce, and remarriage especially. Oftentimes over the years, the accusation has been made, well, if you teach and believe what Jesus says based on its face value in Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, then what you're doing is you're making adultery the unpardonable sin. Again, if you're looking at Mark chapter 3, Nowhere is adultery being considered in this context. And you can add to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, 
the Apostle Paul lists a number of sins, homosexuality, being a drunkard, being a thief, and right there in that same context is adultery. And he says to the church, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were sanctified. When someone comes to God and repents of sin and puts that sin away, God forgives. Adultery is not the unpardonable sin. It never has been. Some people suggest that the unpardonable sin might be suicide. Maybe you've heard this one, that's a little more common. Judas went out and hung himself. He went to his own place, Acts chapter one, verse 25. He was so despondent about what he had done in betraying the Lord, he saw no way out, and so Judas took his own life. And I've heard it argued over the years that when somebody does that, well, of necessity, you're committing a sin that's ending your life. Again, as you look at Mark chapter three, as you look at Matthew 12, as you look at Luke 12, nowhere in these contexts do you see any indication that Jesus has suicide in mind. I've preached funerals of people who have committed suicide. I have dealt with families that have, have loved ones that have done that. I'll say this, biblically speaking, it's a very selfish thing for someone to do, but I am also convinced of this, that many times when people are so despondent in such a case, such a place as that, many times they may not be thinking correctly. There may be all kinds of things going on and I'm content and willing to let God be someone else's judge, aren't you? I'm willing to let God be the one who finally decides what is and is not forgivable in someone's life. Suicide is not, based on this context, this passage, the unforgivable sin, unpardonable. How about backsliding? What if someone, like we talked about this morning, falls from grace, they turn away from the Lord, they leave the truth? Is that the unpardonable sin? After all, 2 Peter that we looked at this morning, chapter two, verses 20 through 22 says, it's like a dog returning to his vomit. It's like a pig having washed, returning to wallowing in the mire. And so it may look like someone who has left the Lord has departed from him. Maybe they have no intention of coming back, but the question is, can they? In James chapter five, verses 19 and 20, James says this, he says, my brethren, if one of you wanders from the truth and if one of you turns him back, let him know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way has saved a soul from death and has covered a multitude of sins. Backsliding, turning away from the Lord is not an unforgivable sin. Next. Blasphemy. Now we're getting a little bit closer to what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 12 and Mark chapter three. Blasphemy, the word itself means to just speak against. So if you decided that you really didn't like me, you could blaspheme me. You could speak against me. You could go around to all of your friends and you could talk about all the things you don't like about me. You can also do that with God. You can blaspheme God. You can take his name in vain. You can attribute things to God that should never be attributed to him. You can blaspheme God by saying vile and profane things about him. And so the speaking against, the saying things that are blasphemous is that strictly speaking what Jesus has in mind 
in Mark chapter 3, verses 28 and 29, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. I suggest to you that while speaking against what the Holy Spirit is doing is part of what Jesus has in mind, I suggest to you that just saying some words is not the unpardonable sin in and of itself. And I give you this to think about. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, Paul said, I was formerly a blasphemer. Before I became a Christian, I was a blasphemer. I spoke against Christ and I spoke against what the Holy Spirit was doing in the world. He had brought the church into existence and he was working with the church and he was blessing the church. And I spoke against all those things that God and Christ and the Holy Spirit were doing in the world. I was a blasphemer, but I found mercy, I found pardon, I found grace. So strictly speaking, blasphemy, speaking against, just that act itself does not fully encompass what Jesus has in mind. What about postponing obedience? Some people have had that as a theory. Some more convenient day on the aisle call. 2 Corinthians 6 verses 1 and 2, now is the acceptable time, now is the day of salvation. If someone knows they need to obey the gospel and they postpone obeying, or if someone knows that there's a sin in their life and they postpone dealing with that sin, is that the unpardonable sin? Again, we're talking about sins that need to be repented of, but they're not unpardonable while life and opportunity and the Lord still abide. What about attributing the power of God to Satan? Mark chapter three, verse 22, that's what they did. Mark chapter three, verse 30, because they says he has an unclean spirit. Even that in and of itself is not the unpardonable sin. And so as Jesus is talking to his audience on that occasion, and again in Luke chapter 12, verse 10, he's saying there is something that you can do that will not be forgiven, that will never be forgiven. What does the Lord mean? If these things are not what he means, what does he mean? What the unpardonable sin is, again, just for your notes, for your interest, the three passages that we've looked at tonight are these, Matthew 12, 31 and 32. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. Blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. I want you to notice at the end of verse 32 there, Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, watch this, either in this age or in the age to come. That's an important expression at the end of verse 32. What Jesus is saying when he says these words, when he talks about this age, I want you to think about when Jesus said this in Mark chapter 12, verse 32, or Matthew 12, 32. He said this during his earthly ministry, prior to the cross. It is still the time when the law of Moses is in effect. The new covenant has not yet been established. Jesus has not yet been crucified. The gospel has not yet been preached in its fullness. And so when Jesus says in this age, he's talking about the Jewish age, the age of the law of Moses. And then when he talks about the age to come, he's talking about the Christian age, the time after the cross when the church has been established. So, when we think about what the unpardonable sin is, there's something of a time element in Jesus' mind here. Again, in Mark 3, verses 28 through 30, he's guilty of an eternal sin, it says. 
And then again in Luke chapter 12, verse 10, everyone who speaks the word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And in Luke 12, verse 1, the reason why he said this is because he was warning them about the Pharisees. Watch out for the Pharisees. They're speaking against me. They're speaking against my Father. And they're going to speak against the Holy Spirit as well. Be careful. Watch out for their influence. Let's explain what Jesus has in mind. If you look at timelines, everybody likes a timeline. At least everybody here at Katie seems to. We love timelines. We love to put things on a, on a map and see where they all kind of go together. All right? Watch this. If you read your Old Testament, you'll find that God the Father brought Israel out of Egypt and he saved them in the wilderness and he gave them the promised land. But as you look at history, over and over and over, what did those Israelites do? They blasphemed, they spoke against God. Why have you brought us out to the wilderness? Why have you brought us to this place to let us die? It would have been better for us to be back in Egypt. Remember, they spoke against God. When he got down to the time of Jesus and the Pharisees, what had the Pharisees done? They had taken the Father's commandments and they had said, we don't wanna keep these commandments. We're going to make up our own and we're gonna say that our own are better than God's. Read Mark chapter seven. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They teach his commandments the doctrines of men. So they spoke against the Father. They blasphemed him all through their history. Now when you look at Mark chapter three, what are they doing? You get to a time in history when the Son has come. The Son of God who can do miracles is in their presence. And what do they say about the Son? They do the same thing to the Son that they did to the Father. They take Jesus and they say, he's not really casting out demons by God's power. He's casting out demons by Satan's power. Jesus isn't really working miracles by what God has given him. He's working for the devil. They are blaspheming the son. They're speaking against him just as they did the father. And then as you read your Bible, you'll find when you get to the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper that God promised comes. And what Jesus is saying, if you look at Mark chapter three, verses 28 and 29, whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit and what he does never has forgiveness. I want you to look at that timeline on the map behind me. You blaspheme the Father, the father doesn't just wash his hands and say, okay, Israelites, I'm done with you. No, the father in his grace and mercy sends the son, Jesus Christ. And they blasphemed the son. They said, he's working miracles by Satan's power. And the son doesn't say, okay, fine, I'm finished with you. I'm, I'm, I don't love you anymore. I, I don't care about you anymore. The son doesn't say that. The son says, there's somebody else coming. The spirit's going to come. But if you've rejected the father and then you've rejected the son and then finally you decide to reject the Holy Spirit, nobody else is coming. There's nobody else that's going to come along and make forgiveness available to you. You understand the point? It's about what people choose to do. It is a condition of heart if you want to put it this way, an attitude that continually rejects God's offer of forgiveness and hope. 
If you and I in our minds decide that I don't want to do what God says, I don't want to do what Jesus wants, and I'm certainly not going to listen what the Spirit teaches through the apostles in the New Testament, there is nobody else coming to give you any more revelation, to give you any more information, to give you any more offers of forgiveness. Nobody else is coming. The Father came and rescued Israel. The Son came and offered forgiveness to all mankind. The Holy Spirit has come and he has established the New Testament church by the power of God through Jesus Christ. Nobody else is coming. God's plan is summed up in Christ and in what the Spirit has accomplished. That's what Jesus is saying the unpardonable sin is. If you decide to reject, Jesus, uh, reject the Holy Spirit in that sense, there's no hope. There's nowhere else to turn. Can the unpardonable sin be committed today? That's a question worth pondering. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Obviously, those Pharisees, those Jews that Jesus was talking about, they could have committed the unpardonable sin. That is, they could have decided that they were going to reject Jesus, and then they were going to reject what the Holy Spirit was doing through the apostles afterward. And if they rejected that, there was no forgiveness. There was nothing available for them where they could find refuge and reconciliation with God. In 1 John chapter 5, look if you would at verses 16 and 17. Listen to what John writes to Christians. He says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death. Now, hold that phrase in your mind for just a second. A sin not leading to death. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins not leading to death. But there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. What's he talking about? I want to put it in a syllogism kind of form, a, a logical type of way. The Bible teaches, brothers and sisters and friends, that God will forgive the sins that we repent of and that we confess, all of them. When you change, change your mind, change your behavior, confess sin, God will forgive that sin. First John chapter one, verse nine, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive our sin. God will, will forgive every sin that we confess as Christians. Secondly, though, 1 John 5, 16 and 17 says, God will not forgive the sin, quote unquote, unto death. The sin that leads to death. God will not forgive. Ready for the conclusion here? Therefore, the sin unto death is the sin that one refuses to confess or acknowledge. When someone is living in a sinful condition and God's word comes to us and says, what you're doing is sin, and we decide, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. I, I will not admit that what I'm doing is sinful and I will not admit and I will not think about even repenting of this. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's what John's calling a sin unto death. 
And what he's saying to us Christians is this. He's saying, don't pray and ask God to forgive somebody like that. You know, sometimes occasionally someone will commit a sin and they'll feel like they need to confess before the entire church. I've, I've sinned against God and I need God's forgiveness. And we'll have an elder come up here at the, at the mic behind me and the elder will pray and say, God, please forgive this person. In your mercy, you've promised to do so, please forgive. But what if someone comes forward and they say, I'm living in sin and I got no intention of changing and I'm not gonna admit what I'm doing is wrong. Should we then offer a prayer and ask God to forgive that person? They're committing a sin leading to death. And as long as they continue in that attitude, in that way of living, they are committing what Jesus called the unpardonable sin because nobody else is coming to save them. Nobody else is coming to help. If you don't respond to the word of God, if you don't respond to Jesus Christ through what he's done, there is no alternative, there is no other way. There's no other means of salvation. So John says in 1 John 5, 16, if a person is not willing to repent, then don't pray that they might be forgiven. You can pray for them. You can pray that circumstances in their lives might, might be such that they'll open their eyes, that they'll be awakened to what's going on in their lives and they'll, they'll see their need to repent but don't ask God to forgive someone who is living in impenitent sin, why? Because if we're praying for their forgiveness, brothers and sisters and friends, we're ignoring what God has said. Said another way, God would have to somehow change his law of pardon in order to answer our prayer. We need as Christians to think about the implications of what Jesus says. It's possible for people to be so hard in their hearts that they live in rebellion to God and they think, this is fine, I can do this. Nothing bad has happened to me so far. Jesus says the most important thing that you could ever have in this life is forgiveness, a relationship with God. Don't live in such a hard-hearted way that you're unwilling to confess and acknowledge the sin in your life. Don't do it. To do so is to speak against what the Holy Spirit has done through the apostles. Perhaps you're here tonight and you need to respond to heaven's invitation. Through confession of Jesus' name, through repentance of your sin, through baptism, you can become a Christian. Maybe you need to respond and ask for the prayers of God's people that your sin might be forgiven. Maybe you need to pray privately to God and acknowledge some things are in your life that don't need to be there so that you can receive God's forgiveness privately. There are many ways to respond to the invitation, but if you need to respond publicly, won't you make your way down the aisle as together we stand and sing. Mark chapter three, verses 22 through 30. 